Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Just Gordy, Gordy, can I bother you for a second? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks here on the Brownly Dumb Show. Before we get the show started, we'd like to let you know that the Brownly Dumb Show is brought to you by Manscaped. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. Folks, using promo code BROBIBLE, B-R-O-B-I-B-L-E, get 20% off and free shipping on your Manscaped order today. Enjoy. That is promo code BROBIBLE, B-R-O-B-I-B-L-E, 20% off. Thanks to Big Game Bob. Folks, enjoy the goddamn show. All right, folks, coming to you live here. The Burnley Dumb Show, episode 63, 64. Who really gives a shit? The only thing you should give a shit about is the guest we have on today. That is Indianapolis's very own Pat McAfee. Folks, I'm excited about this one. I know I say that all the time, but I'm excited about this one. This is Pat McAfee. This is my top five guests that I've wanted since we've started this podcast. The reason being, I love Pat McAfee because he's off the cuff. He's real. He's natural. He just knows where the line is on things, and he really pushes boundaries. I love that about him, and he's one of those guys you know, no matter what day you catch him on, when you catch him, they're going to bring so much energy day in, day out. And that's what McAfee does. The main thing I wanted to talk about, and you're going to hear us talk about it, are you know people think he should be up for the job in Monday Night Football. I totally agree. And he talks about it on his show, how he doesn't think that um, you know ESPN wants him because maybe he's not as polished as other guys. But that's the beauty of McAfee. It's a change unlike anything else. I think he knows when to pick his spots. He's worked for ESPN. He's worked for Fox. He's done a lot, and he would make it so goddamn entertaining. So if you want, you bring a guy that's polished on there, and then you pair him with McAfee. It's a beautiful pairing. So I am really pushing for it. I want to see it. I always have wanted to see it. Um, so you're going to hear us jump into that. You're going to hear us jump into, you know, what it's like playing on the same team as Peyton Manning. He got arrested for being too fucking wasted, you know, while he's in his first year in Indianapolis. We talk about that. We hit it all. It's a 50-minute interview, probably going on a little more now that I'm doing this intro. But I'm telling, you know, Pat's so busy. He's, he's doing three shows a day. So, I mean, he's just constant. So I wanted to be, take, you know, keep an eye out for his time and be considerate of that. Um, so, you know, we, we ended on like the 50-minute mark. I think we could have gone three hours easy. I mean, that's just, he, he's a pro. He, he, it was, it's a lot of fun. I'll let you get to it. I'll shut up now. Enjoy the show. This is Pat McAfee, Big Game Bob, folks. This train here on the Brown and Dumb Show just keeps on rolling. Enjoy the show. There he is. There's our boy. Let's wire him in. Let's wire him in. What's up, Bobby? I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to have to hold my phone the entire time. Let me get. Are you in studio right now? No, I'm at the office though. You know what? I saw you today on the show, and I saw you had this the cutoff sweatshirt going today. I wouldn't have wanted you to interview with anything else. Is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a staple of Pat McAfee is that cutoff. Only when I got big arms, though, Bobby. They come and they go, you know what I mean? Whenever I'm hitting the arms, I got I to gotta cut off the sleeves. But you know what's Son amazing? If you, if you watch the progression of the show, the biceps are getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, there's a time there, though, where I get a little bit uh, – you can normally – just like in, the, um, in my NFL time, you could tell what type of offseason I had. You know, the gut would come and go. It's very similar to me now. You can see when I'm at my fattest, and then I can look back a couple of months. I'm like, oh, living good back then. And then you can see me kind of go on like a starvation diet. I mean, it's a whole different world. I don't want you to get too strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to get too strong. You know what I mean? No, Bobby Bobby Biceps. You've got to get as strong as you can. Hey, I'm not going I know. I'm not going anywhere. Look at this, Patty. What I see, I saw you in that starter jacket. Weren't you in a, what is it, a starter jacket you bought from the uh, thrift the, store or something? The, war, the, the warrior zip? Yeah, you look good in that, pal. Not That's half so bad, good. right? No, not bad at all. Patty, you ready to rock and roll? I've been looking forward to this for, like, what, good, what, three, four days now? <laughs> Let's get after this. Now, here we are, folks. The Brilliantly Dumb Show, there's some people that you just don't bother to do the Wikipedia read. You just don't do it. That is Pat McAfee. What I will do, and Pat, I want you to put yourself in my shoes. Your top five interview for me, okay? I get the follow from you on IG. So I immediately DM you, do the whole, you know, I'm a big fan of the page, all that good stuff. We'd love to have you on. Rather than get like a, I'll try and pencil you in, talk to my assistant, I get a, all right, excited to be a part of the mission, brother. Let's fire away. <laughs> Is that great? Hey, I, well, I, I had seen your account before. I had seen right. Brilliantly Dumb had shown up on my Instagram Explore page before. And probably in like my morning shit routine or whatever, <laughs> I clicked on it. So I knew of you and I was entertained by you. So then whenever that something happened, I don't know how you showed up again. I went over to the page. Uh, I saw you were following me. I followed you back. And then you sent him. Your, by the way, impressive timeliness there on the follow to message. I mean, right away. Was, right away. Hey, Bobby punctuality or whatever it is, whatever you, uh, it was very impressive. So uh, I'm happy for you, man. It's, I think the first time I saw you, I think you had around, Maybe on the internet, like maybe 20,000 followers, 15,000. Then you seen you now up at like up over 90. Now you're starting another page for your own podcast, yeah. The Brilliantly Dumb Show. I mean, I like to see you on your mission here, man. You're doing well and you're incredibly entertaining. It was the most ele- – by the way, we could stop the show now. I'm happy. I, <laughs> that's a wrap right there, Patty boy. That really is. That's it. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy your personality. I think you're because uh, all you're doing is cutting promos, and your character is uh, a great one. And I don't know you in real life. I only know you from the internet, but it's one that I I am a big fan of. But, what was it? And I appreciate that more than you'll ever know. What was it about that second time around on the page that got you? Was it the Warriors video? The Warriors video is one of my favorite one. I think you're talking about TJ Maxx or somewhere. It was yep. some sort of you were to some store. I mean, it was Ross just department store. There it is. You're at Ross. Yeah, you're like uh, Bobby Department Store or something you called yourself. And it uh, just the fact that you made something that uh, meaningless, entertaining, and you saw that as content, I was impressed. You know, that's special right there. 
Well, it's exactly. It, it, it is worth absolutely nothing. <laughs> Nobody's getting smarter from this. But let's hope that you are entertained for, I don't know, 15, 30 seconds before you swipe and scroll to your next thing that you usually watch. And I was impressed. Bobby. I was impressed. All right. Well, you know what, Patty? Enough about me. Today is about you. Okay. Uh, let's get this rocking and rolling. My first question for you. Okay. Take me back to Plum High School in Pennsylvania. Do people in high school know that there's this star punter in the high school, or is QB1 getting all the love still at that point? You know, uh, I played so- – I was much more known for my soccer, soccer prowess back where I was from, right? I had more schools looking at me for soccer, way more schools looking at me for soccer than I did for football. Uh, our football team wasn't great. We had a lot of good dudes. I'm friends with a lot of them. But I was more so soccer-focused, and I'd show up on Fridays for the games. Our, our soccer team was much better than our football team. Uh, I got along with the football team, but it was just – I always thought soccer was going to be my thing. And I think I think a lot of people around town expected me to do – I mean, I was very dumb, right? So anybody knew, like, okay, I'm either going to be working at a gas station or this dude's going to be a professional athlete. It's one or the other, okay? So I think people knew that – what are the, there's no, I'm going to be making sandwiches, okay? I'm going to be making sandwiches in Pittsburgh, or I'm going to be a professional athlete. It's one or the other. I think a lot of people knew that. Like, uh, that guy is too much ADD. He's too dumb. He's not going to be able to make it in the real world, but maybe sports. And then there were people, you know, those Friday nights, I would be hitting kickoffs, like, out of the end zone, into the stands. I, I kicked it out of a high school stadium one time where we were playing high school. So I think people knew that I had a cannon, but I don't think there was many people like, you know what, that guy's going to be – uh, professional kicker. I think a lot of people thought soccer player at the time or a, a bum on the street. So, what you know, it's it safe it, to say that people were coming to the games to watch that kickoff or it wasn't I, there at that point? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I would assume that whenever any high school team has a good kicker or punter, they probably pay attention a little bit more. Just like if you have a good kicker or punter on your team, you probably pay attention a little bit more because you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. I would assume, like, the high school fans, whenever I would show up, they're like, hey, this this overweight blonde kid from Plum has a fucking mule leg. Okay, so on fourth downs, let's, let's go ahead and pay attention. I assume those conversations did happen because I was blasting footballs. Plum High School is such a good name of a high school for somewhere where Pat McAfee would go. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just love that name. Hey, we're all Mustangs here, the Plum Mustangs. (laughs) I was not beloved uh, by that school or their administration on a uh, on a very regular basis, and that's uh, that's completely okay with me. But I love Plum. I was very. I mean, they thought they had a lot to deal with. So did Jim Mercey when you make your way over to the Colts. Jim was my guy, man. Jim, that that was your boy, right? Yeah, Jim Mercey is good dude. He has lived one of the most interesting lives of all time. He's friends with the Beatles. He's friends with all these people. He's partied with all these rock stars back in the day. He's owned a team since he's like 35 years old or something like that. I mean, just a rock star of a guy who has lived a much different life than any other human probably ever could. You and know did what I mean? he just get a kick out of you? I mean, did he come down the field to get a laugh like in practice and all that stuff? So whenever I was younger, my first year on the team uh, was my rookie year, obviously, first year on the team. Uh, <laughs> Quick math there. Checks that's out. Plum, that's Plum High School math right there, baby. Hey, see that? Hey, <laughs> that public education math back in the day is coming Can't through. But um, my first year, he didn't talk to me, right? I was the rookie punter. I didn't think anybody should talk to me. But he would come to practices, and he would talk to, like, a couple maybe coaches. He'd talk to Polian, and then at the end, maybe give a speech and he'd leave. 
he was around. Then after I got in trouble, October 20th, 2010. Oh, I was going to hit you with the date. You beat me to it. Big day. Pretty big day. Pretty big, big day. Big day that there's no way I could let you leave without jumping into that. Hey, big day. I allegedly jumped into <laughs> a, uh, a canal, which I still think is a bunch of bullshit, but I was definitely arrested for public intoxication. And I would assume that most places, because I was not a good enough punter at that point yet. I wasn't good enough yet. Most teams would have cut me for that because it was a massive distraction. I mean, it was everywhere. It was, it was literally everywhere. Do you remember the – because this is, this is to me, and I had this down the road. I was looking forward to this one. Do you remember the dialogue that you had with police that day? And if you don't, I'll tell you what that dialogue is. Yeah, this is their story, okay? <laughs> they, they leave out in that, in that said – anyways, after that happened, Jim Mersey would come down and talk to me afterwards. Like during practice, I got added to the list of practice he would come talk to. So from those moments, he'd come talk to me in Vinatieri, and I became and gained a lot of respect for that man. And he was the reason why I didn't end up on any other teams. He's the reason why I ended up getting franchise tag when negotiations weren't going well. Jim Mercer is a good dude. He paid me out bonuses that I, I wasn't owed whenever I retired because I retired. He paid, Jim Mercer gave me his plane last year because I got a chance to be on SmackDown. I mean, he's just – Jim Mercer is the greatest. And uh, there's a lot of bad things said about him, but for me, nothing but good. If you could take me back to – so the 2009 draft it was, no? Yeah. Are you thinking in your head, you know you're going to get drafted. You have a pretty good idea you're going to get drafted, no? No. I wasn't invited <laughs> to the combine. So you don't have a good idea you're going to get drafted. The Cowboys told me the day before the draft I was their guy, and they were going to draft a kicker. They said, you're my guy, and we're going to draft a kicker probably third day. Then it was like Friday night was first round. Then two through four, I think, was Saturday, and then – five, six, and seven was Sunday. So they told me the day before, like, hey, you're our guy. We're drafting kicker on Sunday. Which you got to be excited about. Oh, excited, yeah. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have the pill. I didn't have another option. I didn't (laughs) do anything, right? Kicking balls was all I had at the time. So um, it was a a great weekend. We partied on Friday night. We partied on Saturday night, my family, my friends. Then Sunday we went golfing. And then whenever the fourth or fifth round came around, my mom was in a golf cart. And she let out a loud fuck. And uh, we're all like, what's that, Sal? She's like, uh, uh, she's like scared to talk. Doesn't want to say it. So my dad goes back to her. He reads the phone. He's like, all right, let's get out of here. Cowboys took another kicker. Uh, oh, boy. The Cowboys took Bueller from USC. Let's get out of here. Right? So we, we were golfing, so we would stay a little bit more sober. So when Jerry Jones called, okay, celebration, let's let loose. Because we, we, it was a party crowd we had at the time. Right. So – it went from being like a joyful celebration to drinking away the sorrows in the living room after that moment from the golf course we leave. And then in the seventh round, the Philadelphia Eagles were up on the clock and I get a call from a three, one, seven number. And I thought it was for an undrafted free agent thing. And it was uh, Bill Polian and the Colts saying, we just traded up to draft you. And then obviously we had no idea that the Colts were going to draft me to punt. Uh, I thought I was going to be a kicker. I kicked in the senior bowl. I, I didn't know I was going to be a punter, and Bill Polian drafted me, changed my life that day, and that party went from very sorry to To very excited. Just a rager. (laughs) Oh, it was awesome. Everybody in town, everybody in Plum basically stopped by the house that day. (laughs) So we fucking knew it. Do you, when when now you know you're going to the Colts, are you thinking city-wise, okay, what's there to do in Indianapolis? Are you running through that, or you're just happy that you're on? Yeah, I don't care. 
I, I played in a soccer tournament out here in Indiana whenever I was a teenager. That was all I knew about India, Indiana or Indianapolis. I obviously knew they had Peyton Manning, which is awesome. Uh, but I didn't know anything. I was just pumped that I was going to be on an NFL team. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a good living, hopefully, if I can figure this punting thing out, which <laughs> I had to go to my high school literally the day after that with my dad, incredibly hungover, just trying to figure out how to punt. And I didn't learn for like three years. And they kept me around, so I'm very thankful. When you first go, when you're first starting up in the league, and let's say you have one of those these games where you're going into Seattle, just a hostile atmosphere, are there times you're looking over at Peyton and you're thankful that you're not Peyton Manning and you don't have to deal with that defense, you don't have to deal with all of that shit? You know, I've never thought about that. I think the only time I've ever thought I'm thankful I'm not Peyton Manning would be out of, like, bars and stuff. <laughs> so he's getting he was bombarded. so cool. Yeah, he was so cool, but he couldn't do anything normal, right? I mean, he was a very normal guy, actually. Like, joked around, drank beers. He invited me on a golf trip before he even knew me. I, I've been – me and me and Peyton had some times together. And I think the only time I've ever been like, you know what, wouldn't be great to be Peyton Manning is whenever we're out in public either getting to a hidden room in the back or walking through a segment of an area that's wide it's open. Just too you know, much. It's just like – too much. And he's nice. He has to be nice to everybody, obviously. He's very nice to everybody, but he can't do anything. I mean, he just can't. So I think that's the only time. Whenever it comes to football and stuff like that, getting a chance to watch him work, like, made me better, if that makes sense. It was just like, that's how hard that guy, he's the best in the game, one of the best ever to do it. And he's working his ass off. It's like, maybe I should try to figure out how to fucking kick a ball better, too. <laughs> and so it's like, it's kind of like when somebody who's very good at something arrives, it's like, raises the expectations and standards of everybody else like the jordan was, doc to a t like yeah but peyton was much different than, i mean peyton and the offense used to get into it a bit right? like like jordan would with his teammates but it was always over the ball it was never personal but for me it was just like witnessing somebody do something great it's like oh, okay i better not suck just like down in tampa like there's nobody missing workouts right now because tom brady's your quarterback there's nobody even mm -hmm. at home that's taken one rep off because you know Tom Brady is. So it's it's just everything gets heightened, and I got a chance to experience that whenever I was too young, too dumb to even realize what was going on. But it helped. It definitely helped. But me. you, the the times that you get with him, are you picking his brain a little bit, or is he going to you for a laugh? Yeah, I'm dance monkey. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> like, like you know, it's just I and I very much understand that too. You know, like I was wondering why I was invited on a golf trip early before they knew me. Uh, before he really knew me, a couple other people. I was invited on a golf trip, and I was kind of quiet because I didn't know anybody or whatever. Are you a little nervous and at that time? Peyton Manning invites you on a golf Are you a little nervous? No, I'm not nervous. I don't, I don't think – I think maybe um, – maybe nervous. I guess that could be a word. I was feel quiet, the need to, to entertain them and get into the mix, though? No, but early, I just didn't want to open my mouth. I'm like, I don't know any of these fucking dudes. And I'm a terrible golfer, so I don't even know. And it was like a two-hour drive and a bus down to where we were golfing, so it was tight quarters. You know what I mean? There was gambling happening, which was good. Like, I'll hop into gambling. I'll hop into the card game. That's right, happening. get you right into like, the mix. This will pass the time. Maybe I'll be able to get in here a little bit, say some things. But then we started golfing, and uh, just about everybody there laughed at my golf swing. I didn't even have clubs. I had to borrow Venetari's clubs. I didn't even have clubs. <laughs> you got Venetari's clubs? Yeah, That's he was so nice. Spectacular. I mean, this was before he knew me, too. So he didn't know that I was a terrible golfer. I told him, like, oh, my clubs are stuck in transit or whatever. I've never fucking golfed really before that. So uh, my first couple shots are just absolutely terrible. And then afterwards, we had some food and some drinks and everything. And my table started asking me questions. 
And I used to be able to chug a beer very impressively. So the table that I was at, you know, I was chugging beers, telling stories. Then people started coming over to the table. Then it got to a point where I was like holding court almost. And it was like, and okay. So right now you're in your element, okay? And it, yeah. does it hit you that here I am with Peyton Manning and oh, yeah. I'm cracking these guys the fuck up? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of moments in my life. Oh, and that's just one of them where I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I should not be here. And I probably even said that. At the moment, whenever I was doing whatever story I would tell from college, it's like, yeah, when I had a sombrero hat walking through Morgantown while I was tripping on mushrooms, like, I never thought to myself, you know, I'd be telling this story to fucking Peyton Manning. You know, like, I, I probably even said that, you know, like, it was just like, I was very lucky to be. Peyton's getting a kick out of it. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, everybody there, right? We got <laughs> offensive linemen there. We got like, a bunch of people there that I did not know, and they did not know me, you know, so it's like. And I'm assuming Peyton didn't laugh at everything. I don't remember exactly what he laughed or what he didn't laugh at, but it was at that moment where I realized why I was there. Like, oh, this is why I'm here. And then when you get invited back to other things, it's like, okay, that's why I'm, that's why I'm here. I'm okay. in. I'm in. I'm in. I'll be the dancing monkey too, by the way. Nobody needs to learn how to kick a ball for me. But Patty, I'm going to gonna, I'm gonna double down, and you want to talk about moments, okay? I want you to take me through. You're against the Broncos in Indianapolis. You kick off, okay? Trendon Holiday catches. Hey, Olympic sprinter. Make sure you get it in there. <laughs> Olympic sprinter, Bobby. Catches. He, this Olympic sprinter, Trendon Holiday, catches the Nailed kick, it. okay? You're coming down the field. Now, when you usually come down the field, are you trying to stay away from contact? You're kind of the last man of defense. Well, there's an area there, Okay. And there's been a couple kickers that you have seen get demolished in there. Kevin Huber, latest oh. example, got his jaw broken. There's an era that, which, by the way, Huber would even tell you, like, shouldn't have been where I was at. You're either – there's like a 10-yard demolition derby area that's behind the first wave of kickoff, right? And you never want to get in there. If you're in there – Stay out of there. Stay out of If you're in there, there's blind sides coming. You're probably not going to be able to track somebody who's running by you anyways, like – that is just a place you don't want to be for both punts and kickoffs. So I was always a layback type of guy, but then I would bait the returner to the sideline. Like, hey, I'm a little bit of a chubby white guy. You can get the edge on me. And then I would close it down and use the sideline as a, a tag team partner. Okay? <laughs> that trend and holiday hit, that was Peyton Manning's first trip back to Lucas Oil Stadium too. So that was like – Oh, that is spectacular. Did not know that. Yeah, so it was a massive game. It was on Sunday Night Football. I think it had the highest ratings of a regular season football game in the history of NFL. Chris Collinsworth is calling it. Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels. I mean, it's a big deal. Like, all week, too, the media had been parked outside Lucas Oil Stadium because Peyton Manning's coming home. It's the War of 1812. It's in Andrew Luck's house. It's the whole – all this shit, right? So, it, when you kick off and punt, your job is to help field position. Right. So, anytime you see – there's like the, I've made a lot of tackles in my career, but anytime I made a tackle, I failed completely at my job, right? Field position's fucked. If I'm tackling him, if I'm he's at the 50 already, he's at the 50 already. So right. people always be like, did you love making tackles or whatever? Well, it's obviously better than the alternative, but anytime I'm making a tackle, that means I probably fucked up. To begin. There's a problem. So, yeah. So it's, right. there's automatically something going on. So I'm not exactly thrilled that it's happening, but that blind squirrel finding a nut moment and me hitting Trinidad holiday. And him just so happened to be off balance. I mean, it was a big-time hit for sure. But after you just rock his world and you blow him up, A, 
do you realize this is going to be on my highlight reel? How long after the hit do you, does it settle in what you just did? Is it when you go to the sideline and the guys are all going nuts? Well, so I get up and I'm on their sideline, right? Obviously. <laughs> and I look around, I'm like intrigued by it all. And you hear the stadium starts going nuts. So the stadium went bonkers. And I was like, okay, here we go. Just gave up terrible field position, but they're going crazy. Give Peyton Manning the ball at like the 50, probably going to score. So I failed completely, but okay, place is going crazy. But I've had some big hits. Like I'm, when I was playing, I'm, I was 235, depending on how fat I was in the offseason, what type of 235 that was. And I could always run pretty good because of soccer. So I'm normally going to be bigger than the person. I'm so normally you were coming gonna... for blood. You, you're, you weren't afraid to go in there and get physical. That was okay with you? Yeah, yeah. And I'm from Pittsburgh, right? I grew up oh, yeah. playing football. You know what I mean? I like, grew up playing Real football. City. Back, oh, yeah. Backyard <laughs> football, street football, even though I didn't play uh, organized football. I played a lot of football. And in college, I made a lot of tackles. So it wasn't like it was very new to me. It just so happened to be a perfectly timed hit on a guy that was – 40 pounds less than me and off balance. It's just, I feel terrible for Trinity Holiday because he and I both know that was a very lucky setup. But boy, I mean, it turned out to be pretty good. I got some other ones I like though, Bob. The way you kind of crowned them with the helmet though made it look 10 times. I mean, you really do get some helmet to chest contact there. You could have been flagged. Yeah. You're spearing. That, by the way, that was the, uh, I think the next day in the newspaper. There was an article about whether or not I should be fined for helmet. Oh, that's so re- – you can't find a punter. You know that oh, better I than I, I do. If I get fined for that, that's legendary. You know what I mean? It's better, <laughs> sure. it's better than getting fined for, like, a picture I put on fucking Twitter. You know? So it's like I would much rather have that on the resume. Than- now, what about something – another thing you got on your resume, huge accolade. You're getting ready to kick off for the Super Bowl. Obviously, nerves got to be through the roof. What are you worried about that could go wrong? Is it kicking it out of the bounds? Is it whiffing on the kick? What are the thoughts of what could go wrong that makes you nervous? So everything could go wrong, right? I mean, that's uh, literally everything could go wrong. I almost got to delay a game on the opening <laughs> kickoff. While you were taking in the moment? Yeah. I like, got back, <laughs> took my steps or whatever. And I looked around like, holy shit. Like, I cannot believe I am at this place right now. One year ago, I was in Morgantown, West Virginia. Okay, probably a penny pitchers. And here I am kicking off the Super Bowl in Miami. That was when there was a massive snowstorm in the Northeast, so nobody could leave their house. So they were projecting, like, the amount of people that were going to be watching that game was going to be even bigger than the normal number because nobody could leave their house or whatever, right? Right. So I hadn't really – because the Super Bowl crowd is weird. Because the Super Bowl crowd isn't all the home team or all the way team. Like half and half. No, it's not even because you got a lot of people that just go to all the Super Bowls who are like avid NFL fans. Gotcha. Right? So it's kind of like a weird – it's a weird setup. Even warm-ups – You don't is, think about that. It's a good point. You really don't think about that. Yeah, it's a spectacle more so than anything. So it's a much different vibe in warm-ups than – it's more of like a you, – you feel as if – and I played in a lot of bowl games in college, and bowl games kind of have the same feel. It feels almost like it, it, it's a practice game because of how you got like – people just walking on the field i remember Deion sanders was just walking around because he was doing info network while i was warming up and punting i was like this is like a fucking movie like, it, it, it doesn't even feel like a regular game and then whenever you get tasked to kick it off obviously i was incredibly nervous because you don't want to you don't have the worst opening kickoff in the super bowl in history okay oh. don't have that don't have the worst in history okay it's a- 
if you do a touchback, it's a lose lose. You're supposed to have a touchback. Nobody's freaking no, out about a touchback. No, actually, actually, let me. So, very rarely do you see an opening kickoff as a Super Bowl be a touchback. Here's a little hey, hey, your little Bobby Insider here for the sports. Give a little Bobby Insiders. Give me okay. something other people are not getting. So the opening kickoff prop to be a touchback, unless it's somebody who has just a huge leg, uh, like Harrison Butker, uh, maybe Tucker. But aside from that, McManus has a big leg in Denver. But aside from that, it's a brand new football, fresh out of the box. So it's not beat up. It's as hard as plastic because as soon as you kick it off, it's going to rate the camp. So you, it's, uh, it's like the Super Bowl commemorable kickoff ball. Yep, it's not going to see much action even after that. So it's no action. It's going literally directly from the returner's hands to a NFL representative to camp right. to the Hall of Fame. So as soon as that ball gets put in my hand, it's a fucking – this is a brand-new, brand-new football. And it's like, oh, my God, this thing hasn't been broken in at all. Normally, your equipment managers get 30 minutes before the game to beat up the balls in front of an NFL official. It saves you – it probably adds like 10 to 15 yards on a kick if, if the ball is beat up as opposed to being brand new out of the box. So as soon as I felt that ball, I was like, oh, my God, this thing is beautiful. I mean, I guess it's nice for a Hall of Fame, but this thing is terrible to kick off. And I put it down, and uh, the sky cam goes right out from my face. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, that was very close to my face there. So then I take my steps back, and I just – it was the first time I just, like, looked around. I was like – this is the dumbest life of all time. This is the dumbest life of all time. And then I look up at the, the play clock, and it's at like 7. I'm like, oh, shit, cannot get a delay a game here on the kickoff. So then as I'm running towards the ball, it's just like flash, flash, flash. You see and see the flashes. flashes. You see all the flashes, obviously. And they start before because people don't want to miss, so they put that thing on uh, auto autoplay or whatever the fuck it is. Where they're auto. just ripping it. Yeah, so you hear right. it. You can hear them. You can see them. And I'm like, it's is my penis out right now? Like, why? And then all you hope is you don't whiff. And then I just got the ball off. And then after the tackle was made, I was like, well, wasn't the worst opening kickoff in Super Bowl history. And uh, let's just keep it moving. But that is a moment that not a lot of people have. And uh, we didn't win. So that kind of sucks. But it was Daddy. a good time. Oh, shit. Hang right there, folks. So sorry to interrupt. Just want to interrupt to let you know that the Brandly Dumb Show is brought to you by Manscaped. The flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to mow your lawn. Thanks to Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. Precision engineered tools for your family jewels cannot beat that, cannot underestimate the importance of taking care of those things downstairs. Folks, you can get 20% off. That's 20% off using promo code BROBIBLE, B R O. B-I-B-L-E for 20% off and free shipping of your next Manscaped order today. Folks, enjoy the rest of the show. Enjoy your properly cleaned nutsacks. I dig it. Are you ready for it? Drew Brees, yeah. You ready for this? Go on. Okay. October 20th, 2010. You take a pre-dawn swim in an Indianapolis can canal, blood Allegedly. alcohol percent of .15 and get arrested. When officers ask why you're swimming in the lake, your response, I'm not sure. When asked where your shirt was, your response, 
in the water. And then to cap it off, when asked how much you have had to drink, a lot because I'm drunk. Two-part question A, do you think that's the highest blood alcohol percentage all time for a punter? And B, do you think you got unfair criticism being that you guys were going into a bye week that week? Thank you uh, for that follow-up question. Uh, a little bit of reason in this entire thing. It was a bye week, okay? So remember, it's Tuesday of bye week. I had been on quite a run there since the Super Bowl. It was my second year. I mean, it was obviously, it was obviously a uh, situation. I, I don't know if .15 is anywhere near what I've been. That's that's big time. Not really though. If that's you think a about big, it, that's a big time percentage, Patty. Hey, but you got to remember the last thing I remember from that night. We started at like noon the, on the Tuesday. There was like a pool party, and then we got into a, a happy hour, which isn't really legal in Indiana. And then there was a stand-up comedy show we went to, and then we went. The last thing I remember was ordering a hundred shots of tequila at this bar after the. Uh, stand-up comedy club and there was probably only like 15 people there so you start doing the quick math on probably what 30 to 45 percent of those people say no to that then you start doing it i assume there was no left behind and then the next thing i remember is i'm walking down a street <laughs> and there's nobody around me i'm shirtless i'm a little bit wet my phone's broken from water damage okay and i have money in my other pocket and I actually thought I was dead. I was like, all right, this is it. I died. This is, I knew it was going to happen, right? I knew it was going to happen at some point because I, 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 I used to have a good time on two regular of occasion. So I thought I was like, all right, I died. This is it. This is hell. And then uh, I see a car. And I was, she was the one that called the police on me because I was trying to stop her. I was going to pay that lady a lot of money. She eventually saved my life, by the way, because walking from where I was to my house, in the 28 degree weather would not have been good for anybody. You are belligerent. Drunk. Yeah. We're drunk at this point, but I'm, by the way, I'm back though. This is me coming back to it. Right. right. So I've been gone for, I don't know how many hours before that I was blacked out and I come back to it and I'm just walking down the street. See that I go into a parking lot. Cops surround me at this point. Cause I was really the only, I was really the only game in town at that point. <laughs> So the, the give and take between me and cops was a lot of, you know, they're like, um, how much have you had to drink tonight? And that was the one. Great line. Awesome line. Obviously that's, a lot. That's really good. Thank you. A and lot then, because I'm drunk. Obviously a lot is what I, I, I think my exact words were obviously a lot because I'm still drunk right now. It's borderline condescending to the police officer. Well, they, so the give and take between me and the police officer was – there was a lot of it, right? It was like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going home. Then they, they said, how are you getting there? There was an entire give and take. And I would always, they were like, where are you coming from? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I was actually like, I don't know. And they were like, tell us why, where you're coming from or we'll take you to jail or something like that. I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like we're going in circles. I, I, I don't know. Then they were like, anywhere here. They're like, why are you wet? And I was like, I don't know. I just told you. They're like, why are you wet? Tell us why you're wet or you're going to go to jail. And I said, it rained. Actually, if you read in the police report, I said it rained. And uh, I guess we're in the middle of like a month and a half, half drought at that point. So that was not possible. <laughs> but I just gave them that answer because they told me if I didn't tell them why I was wet, you're going they were going to take me to jail. And then they pieced together the story that I was swimming in the canal because they asked me where my shirt was at. And I said, well, probably where I got wet at. Right. And so they said, in so the that's water. where the allegedly comes from. 
of swimming yeah, in the, the canal. Their story is that I went swimming in a canal. I could have been sweating. I mean, I was dancing rather hard that night. Bobby danced moves. I was going really hard out there. Maybe I was good. Maybe I went into somebody's hot tub. Maybe I jumped into a hot tub with my phone still in there. You don't you know. know. The, you know what the beauty is of it, Pat, is that if it was 2010, you put this all together, Plum High School math. You've only been the year. That's like a that's a move you make ten years where you're established into your career. Oh yeah. You come out of the gates and you go with this. Bad idea. Bad idea. Bad. Right out of the gate. By the way, and I wasn't good enough. I wasn't a good enough punter to do what I had done there. I, I was I was sitting in solitary confinement, very much understanding that I probably fucked everything up here. Venetary could jump in whatever canal he wants at that point. It doesn't matter if it rains. Alleg- 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 right. Now this is this is going to be a tough transition to make, but this is something while I got you that that I really really wanted to get into because this is where, you know, for me it, it's really fascinating is the transition you make now to a commentator. 2018 Baylor Baylor first Texas, which I believe is your first game. Are you nervous, and did ESPN know what they were getting with you coming in that they give you free reigns? So Baylor, Texas Tech, the Texas shootout, me, A.J. Hawk, Sean Kelly, it's on Fox. So it was on Fox. I had never gotten to call a game before, and I got rejected from the broadcast boot camp that they do for the NFL players three times. I got rejected. Applied for it. For being too out there, for letting it rip too much? I don't know. I'm a punter. I mean, punter, the punting position, you got to remember, just a couple years ball, ago, man. might as well not even fucking be on the field, pal. Get out of here, right? I mean, I've tried to bring a little bit more, like, knowledge on it to show why it's, like, a little you've bit You've done important. a very good job of, in all honesty, you've done a very good job of. Well, thank you. I, I was grossly overpaid to do it. And the reason <laughs> why is because it does matter to the game. You know what I mean? And right. there's a lot of commentators who have commentated on the NFL for a long time, have never done special teams in their life, right? They're starting quarterbacks, starting wide receivers who've never been on special teams, which is like three-quarters of the roster, by the way, are just surviving because of special teams, let alone all the stats to say that field position matters and stuff like that. So I thought, I always thought, and going into my decision to retire, I always thought that I could add something to the game because I think I can talk about a specific part of the game that has been looked at as a go-to-the-bathroom play from an entertaining standpoint so I can let people know like yes I'm very self-aware that punting and kicking is nowhere near as physically tasking as all the other positions very much you, understand that. you own that you absolutely very much. own that you have to yeah. well all my friends play all those physically tasking positions <laughs> and if I was like oh yeah it's just as hard as playing alignment <laughs> right. I get smacked in the mouth by a three you know what I mean like I can't I can't I, I'm very self-aware right I've I have a lot of friends who Thursdays after games, they're just walking again. You know, I have a lot of friends who had no idea that they set an alarm because of concussion issues. Like, so I'm very, I very much understand that out of the positions in football, kicking and punting is physically the least tasking. But whenever you like break it down as a craft, as like if you're a golfer or a uh, designated hitter or a pitcher, and there's like certain strategies and what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do things, I think it's pretty fascinating because it was fascinating to me, by the way. I didn't know I was going to be a punter in the NFL. And then I get drafted to be a punter in the NFL. Now I have to learn what the fuck is a punter in the NFL doing because I'd never looked up to a punter in the NFL ever in my life or a kicker, right? I was a Randy Moss, Deion Sanders fan. So now I'm learning about it. And as I was learning about it, I was like, this is pretty fascinating. And then as I got better at it and better at it, 
I felt like I got to a point where I was like, you know, I can explain not only the offensive side of the ball, because I sat in on offensive meetings with some of the greatest of all time, uh, not only the defensive side of the ball, because I got a chance a front row seat to watch a lot of football, and I played scout team quarterback against our defense in practice in the NFL. Now also special teams. So I was – I, whenever I finally got an opportunity to come to the game, I was just fucking – as internet guys, we, all I'm looking for is the clips anyways, right? So it's just I'm going in there. I'm being set up in a position to succeed, and I'm, I was excited about it. Well, so the funniest part to it all, and I think this is your first NFL game, Lions-Packers, we fast forward, okay? Yeah. Matt Prater, it's almost destiny. He gets the ball for a fake field goal pass, and he's going to throw it. Are you in your head? You could feel you just build up. You do, oh, oh. Were you like, oh, this is destiny? Touchdown. Yeah, I call it touchdown. Touchdown. Everybody gives credit to Tony Romo for predicting things. I mean, I think I called that thing a touchdown before the ball was even snapped. So the um, Fitz, I forget his last name. Fits something. He was for us. He was a uh, like a GA coaching assistant, and he would run like our scout team and our cards. Like so, in the coaching ranks, you got to like earn your stripes before you get a gig, right? You got to do right. like a GA in college. You get paid nothing, and then you got to do this. This. this it's a this. long road. Oh, it's a lot of couch sleeping, a lot of just a lot of bullshit before you get there. But the guy named Fitz, I forget his full last name, but for us, he was like uh, he ran the scout team and everything, and then he got the assistant special teams job at Detroit. So the Lions, they fire their special teams coach halfway through that season. So he's now acting as head special teams coach. I've literally known that guy since he got into the NFL running scout teams for our team, right? Me and Sam Martin are good friends. Me and Prater are good friends. And I know the guy running it, right? So before, and on the other side, the assistant special teams coach was the Colts assistant special teams coach the year before. I know Mason Crosby very well. So I was, I was very dialed in. Right? I was very dialed in here. and. Um, I asked Prater and Sam Martin before the game if they had anything special or whatever. And I think both Prater and Sam said, like, every game we got something. It's just whether or not we'll call it, you know. And that's – I think a lot of people don't know that. Like, in special teams, every single week there's at least one punt punt fake or one field goal fake that is in the playbook that has been practiced. It's a matter of if it's called or not and if the time presents itself. Exactly. If the opportunity presents itself, we'll call it and we'll run it. In that play – called a floater basically where you act like you're subbing somebody out you have them standing on the sideline that's in everybody's playbook like at the Colts we practice that thing every single week but they changed the substitution rule in the NFL that you couldn't just walk off and on the field at any any yardage you have to go in the 30 and out the 30 because people were running this floater play so much that they would just hide somebody on the sideline nobody would know snap throw a touchdown so, so there's a certain exit you have to have now yeah in between the 30s so it's a whole new rule because of this play. So this play literally changed the rule on the uh, sideline where you can come in. So as soon as I saw the guy jogging out there, right, I see him jogging out there. In my head, I'm like, no shit. Like, I cannot believe. <laughs> oh, and, then, and I see the defender, the corner, the last man on the line. His job is to check outside in so there is no floater. This is like the most classic field goal fake of all time. And you're watching, the next- you're watching this go down and you're starting yeah. to see it. I'm like, here we go. I'm like watching the the end quarter. I'm like, he is not. Oh my god, are they going to run this right now? And then I see Prater lift his leg up, and that's when you like, you hear me go, oh, oh my, <laughs> what a moment! I was so happy for Prater because that moment, they probably practiced that thing hundred times. It's probably been in the playbook every single game. It never shows up. 
It never, ever shows up. And the fact that you got to throw a touchdown in Lambeau, I mean, it's just a magical moment. And Beauty I of it. Help lose my mind. They, they know somewhere in the back of their head, they know you're up there watching this and calling it. I, I mean, it just Prater. could not have worked out any better than it did. I asked Prater that uh, a couple weeks ago. I was like, did you guys call that because you knew I was in the I was booth in the or whatever? Right. He, said, uh, he said he wasn't – I think he said something along the lines of uh, definitely, but he was joking or whatever. But then he alluded to the fact that there was a lot more fakes in that week. And I don't know if that's because of me or if that's because there was a week 17 game with nothing on the line. Either way, I'm, I'm fucking pumped that they ran it. Let me ask you something, because there I heard on your show, Pat McAfee's show the other day, and I disagreed with your take on this. You spoke about the Monday night football job, and what you said was that there has been – they've given you so many different reasons of why it hasn't worked out. They want this. They want a more polished guy. They want this. They haven't given you a definite no. So you said it's kind of at the point where it's like you let it go. Here's where I disagree. We as your fans, we know how bad you want that job. And you know damn well if you go into that booth, you would dominate it. So I think you owe it to yourself and you owe it to us to get that thing trending again. You're not going to go in there and ask for Gruden money. You made very good points. You're not going to ask for Gruden money. We're in tough times. They don't want to shell out some big contract. It makes all the sense in the world and I think you got to keep pushing for that. Bobby, Pat. listen, you got to get your ass out there and find that fucking dog, you know? I mean, the wise word, Billy Madison said that. And I, I think that's 100% true. But I've been going for this thing now for over a year. You got to remember that. I've been pushing for this thing for a long time. And I do um, think that I would do well in there. I, I, I've yet to no, really get a chance to call well. good. Well, the issue is here, though. I did those college football games on Thursday night for ESPN this past fall. I knew nothing about any of those teams, right? I knew, I knew, I didn't even know players' names at most points. I, I mean, I knew absolutely nothing. It was very difficult for me. And, uh, Matt Hasselbeck and Adam Amin and Molly McGrath were incredible, and they carried me through a lot of that. But I felt like I added to the games, right? Like, I, I felt like even with my little to no knowledge of the college football landscape and the players that were playing, I thought I added something to the game. So after that, I was like, hey, if any other bigger spots open up, like Monday Night Football, I would like to make a run at that as well. I think if you get me in a, a game where I know the players, I know the history of the teams, I know basically everybody on the roster probably at this point, I feel like I'll really get good. And then that was when it was like, uh, not looking for your type, not doing this. So I went for it like a lot. I went for it a lot. Are there but it got, to a point, it got to a point where it is, it is very apparent that I am not in the – the running for what they're looking for. And for me, I'm at the point where I'm 100% cool with it. It's like in 10 years. If I'm I not keep... cool with it, Pat. Well, I appreciate, I'm not. That from you. I appreciate that from you. But for me, it's like, what do we do? Do we continue to beg or do we just continue to build our thing and just hope that at one point you get the opportunity? It's they like come knocking. Ways to look at it. You know what I mean? Are there some people in the industry, whether it's ESPN, whatever it may be, that resent your style as the gunslinger? I'm going to say, are, are there some pricks like Urban Meyer? Prick. Hey. Can't so stand Urban, the guy now. Urban and I uh, had a little bit of a beef there. He yeah. uh, he took a shot at me. He said he said something to the lines of, you know, it's crazy that people want to watch uh, football shows and not see people jumping into lakes and stuff like that. Which is allegedly. A, no, no, no. That was different lake. Did, different lake. Yeah, that was after I did the Brazos <laughs> belly flop or whatever. Yeah. You know, that was a definite. Know. 
<laughs> there know. was no alleged there. That was definite. And that was a definite shot from Urban Meyer at me, right? Right. And I'm not even on the college game day cast at this point. Totally just, unnecessary. And I'm like, hey, Urban, like, what are you coming after me for? So I had to defend myself because, I mean, I have to. There's no way I can just let that go by. Yeah. It's just not the type of human I am. So I answer, Urban Meyer reached out to somebody that we're both friends with, sent me a message. And I was like, okay, I didn't, re- I didn't answer him. I didn't call him. But for me, I was like, at least Urban was like, hey, I apologize if this came off. As- I'm cool with it, right? I respect that. Water under the bridge. Exactly. So, and by the way, Urban Meyer, very successful coach. I'm happy I don't have to hate him for the rest of my life. And I would have. I, I would have. But I'm I was right on board with you, and I used to love Urban. I, w- I was right on board with you. Oh, Bobby Backups, huh? Bobby Backups is here for you like you wouldn't believe, Patty Boy. I appreciate that, but there are some executives in this the, the sports media world who know that they're supposed to like me. They know that people like me. They just themselves can't understand why or how, right? Because you got to remember, sports media has been the same exact way for a very long time. It's, hey, we want this person to be here. Whenever he's done, we pull him out. We insert another Lego piece, and we just continue to do the same thing. Everybody's wearing suits. Everybody's talking in the same fashion. Everybody's making the same exact points. So whenever I come in, completely unpolished, got rejected from the broadcast boot camp, and I'm just like, fuck it, here we go, pal. I would assume that there's some people who have made a lot of money doing something one particular way, and then I come in a complete opposite fashion, get results, ratings go up in everything that I do, but they're like very confused by it all and probably a little scared of it. To be honest. Well, but you know, what, you know what I don't think they would see that, that I think is very apparent in you know when you do college football and you pick your spots of when to really sling it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to – so I got my original fan base – comes from my Twitter, obviously, and then Bob and Tom. Bob and Tom is a morning comedy show that's based out of Indianapolis. It's been syndicated on like 170 stations for 35 years. Like every comedian has come through here, but it's a little bit of an older demographic at this point. They're the first ones that really put me on a national stage. Stage, right. So my Twitter followers went up, I, I want to say like 70,000 followers or something like that. With, after my first run with Bob and Tom, and it was all Bob and Tom's fans or whatever, and they're an older bunch, right? So my first group is like my mom and dad's age. So everything I do, even though not all older whites are going to like me, but I do know that a certain batch of older whites like me, Every everything I do, I don't want to turn them off, right? Like I don't right. want my mom to be upset with something I said. So Or her friends to be upset. Exactly. So like I've already embarrassed my mom enough, <laughs> believe me. So I don't need what I say to ever come off that. I think I'm much different in my delivery. I think if people were to listen to the words that I'm saying, not just my style, they can also understand that they can learn from the shit that I'm saying too. It's just, I think I will never come, I, I never want to cross that line where I upset my mom or my first fan base, but I'm not scared to let it fucking fly if you have to either. So it's just like, there's that balance and some people get it, some people don't. And if they don't, to hell with it. Well, if it means anything to you, Patty, if you're done with the fight, I'm not. Okay, so I'll keep plugging whatever it takes. I'm not done with this. And you're wasting I, I, your energy, Bobby. No, no. Turn your energy somewhere else. Here's where you're wrong, Pat. You made a great point yourself. There's going to be a day where younger executives take over, and when that day comes, they'll come knocking. That's the day when everything gets better on TV. Everything changes at that. Nothing <laughs> For you too, Bobby. Bobby Brinks truck whenever that happens. <laughs> hey, bring me in, baby. Bring me in. Pat. 
you're a busy guy. Thank you for taking the time. I want to ask you one more question as we get ready to wrap up here. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Are you with Bro Bible? Yeah. I'm with Bro Bible. This is, by the way, big plug right now for Bro Bible. So keep going. They're loving this. No, I like Bro Bible. Bro Bible has shown me love for a long, long, long time. Oh, yeah. I, I like Bro Francis Ellis over there, though. Good brain. I had him open up for me one time. He spoke the world about you. He really did. We do this little show together. He spoke the world about you. And a character. Francis is like, Francis is, he's a Polish comedian too. And he is not scared. You know that line that I talk about? I'm not, I I don't go over. He he will go. We did like a warm up for our show they had us do. He came in with some takes that I was just like, whoa. Fucking cracks me up. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Tell him I said what's up. I absolutely will, vice versa. He told me to say the same to you. Part of the draw of you is you could just tell, you could watch your show for 10 minutes. You just love what you're doing. Is there anything better right now, Pat? I get to wake up and go to work with all my friends. Oh, I think that is a run through a brick wall right now. Well, it's real too. I mean, that's a real thing, Bobby. It's like I get a. Ch- There's been other options and opportunities and stuff like that that I've gotten. People have tried to get me to move to New York. People try to get me to move to LA, Florida, even. And right now, obviously, Indianapolis. Me living in Indy has helped us out a lot. We get through this entire thing because we've been able to be a little bit nimble uh, with dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodging the coronavirus. <laughs> right. But um, I don't know. It's just when you wake up. You get a chance to own something, and whenever your friends have ownership of it as well. I mean, we're not going to hit home runs all the time, but there's not many days where we come in here and it's not just a fucking blast. I have no, I have no idea how long this will be able to last. I have no clue how long. I assume people in here are going to start hating each other. Like, I, I assume that's going to happen at some point, but we have such a good group. It's like it's very awesome to come into work and just make dumb shit for the internet. It's a you cool group. are the best in the business. Knock them off. Top five most wanted podcast guests of mine. Can you give me uh, – this is Pat McAfee. You're listening to the Brilliantly Dumb Show. Hi, how's it going? This is Pat McAfee. And just like you, I am listening to the Brilliantly Dumb Show. I absolutely love you, buddy. You're the best. Hey, congrats, man. Keep crushing it. You take care. All right, Patty boy. Not today, Bubba. Go get him, Bubba. Love you. Not today, Bubba. Gordy, Gordy, can I bother you for a second?